This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, I apologize in advance for my bad posture this morning. You never realize just how terrible your posture is until you have to sit on a stool and talk in front of people. And you just slowly like shrink down. I think by the end I might be at like podium level. So uh, just my apologies ahead of time. Good news, uh, narcotics are all out of my system. So anything that's misspoken this morning is entirely my fault. No one else left to blame. But uh, before we get started, I need to know how many of you um, this is driving you nuts behind me. Anybody? Okay. Completely distracting? Yes. Terribly distracting? Like unable to focus on the words to the songs when we're singing distracting? Be honest. Be honest. Yeah. So uh, what we really wanted to... By we, I mean me. Uh, What I really wanted to do, and I think uh, Pastor Cameron was in on it with me, is we wanted to create this all over the entire building. You know, so we normally have that big, beautiful Christmas tree out there. We wanted to just dump it, but we were afraid that little kids would wander off with branches, and tomorrow when we actually went to put it together, it wouldn't be there. But our, uh, our Advent Christmas theme this year is Have Yourself a Messy Little Christmas. And so um, I I think, hopefully, this will help us get in the right frame of mind this morning. And I'll assure you, next Sunday, it will look better if if somebody shows up to help us tomorrow. Because if it's left to me, this is what it's going to look like all month long. So uh, there's our our plug for Christmas decorating. But um, what we're going to be talking about this year is how Christmas is uh, often messy before it's merry. And you can think of this just in, in your own decorations. How many of you already have your homes decorated for Christmas? All right. How many of you had Christmas at Thanksgiving and that's why you decorated your home? No. So the rest of you are just weirdos, basically, right? Like, there's no... Did anybody decorate in October? Laura? Ah. Uh. There's one in every crowd, right? Where it's just like, you just can't wait. Like, you can't give us Thanksgiving, right? You just straight to Christmas. It's terrible. But I don't know about in your house, but in our house, before uh, Christmas is merry with all the decorations, it's a little messy. So like tomorrow, Angie's going to set up our tree while I sit on the couch. And uh, not normally, but this year is my exception. And so it's going to be messy. There's the, the little neat, we, we're a fake tree family. So you got to pull it all out and do all that. If you're a real tree family, uh, God bless you. Uh, we don't do that. But you know, it's, it's messy before it looks pretty. If you try to make Christmas cookies with children, you know, before they come out, well, honestly, they never come out nice and finished. But in, in the theory that they would come out nice and finished, it's a flower bomb in the kitchen before it looks that way. Or if you're like me and you ever attempt to wrap gifts for your family, um, it, suddenly it's like you have tape all over yourself. It, the finished product looks like a five-year-old did it, and you've got about four paper cuts, right? And so in that case, it's just messy the whole time. There's no merry part of that. It's just, just messy the whole time. But what I want to talk about today, just kind of to, to introduce this, is a, a couple ideas. Is. The first is that life is always messy. Right? We're never going to get away from that. And then we're going to talk about some of the ways that we try to deal with the mess, that we try to cope with the mess, and we'll finish by uh, reading part of the, the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 1 and talk about God's solution to our mess. But I think we all know life is messy, right? It's, that's a, a given. We understand that. And all month long, what we're going to talk about is how Jesus comes down right into the middle of the mess 
And in the mess, he offers us hope, he offers us joy, love, and peace. Um, But all along the way, we have to understand that our experience of those things does not depend on the removal of the mess from our lives, but it's there right in the middle of it. Now, the Christmas season that we're entering into, it can be messy for a variety of reasons. You know, I think one of the, the primary reasons Christmas can sometimes feel so messy is it's just so busy, right? Like Thanksgiving just ended. We're technically still in Thanksgiving weekend, and yet today is the first Sunday of Advent. And so it's this weird position we find ourselves in where some of you uh, appear to still be in a a tryptophan coma, Um, you know, or if you're like Angie and I, you hosted your friends and family and you've got a whole refrigerator full of leftovers at home. You've maybe still got some cleaning to do that the family's left, but guess what? It's already the first Sunday in Advent. If you're unfamiliar with Advent, it's the four Sundays that precede Christmas, So this year, Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, so Advent actually begins this morning. And sometimes that that crunched up schedule can really just make Christmas feel like a messy time. You know, it's a time where it's it's just so busy, and that that busyness and the, the rush of the season can just make Christmas feel pretty messy. I mean, just consider, like I, I'm currently starting my five-week fast of driving down 71st Street. Right? Like, it just won't happen anymore because it's, it's terrible, right? And by the time I get home, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian anymore. Um, and I know many of you, you have more patience than I do, but my solution is just don't go there, right? It's not a good thing. It's not going to end well for anyone. Sometimes uh, the busyness is kind of compounded with financial stress where maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're dealing with some old credit card debt and you're just trying to figure out how are we going to How are we going to swing Christmas this year with all of our friends and all of our family? For a lot of us, that that busyness makes it messy because you just feel like you run out of time, right? There are school parties, there are office parties, there's decorations, there's extra meals with family, there's traveling. And for some people, that can lead us just thinking, like, can January just get here already? Let's just get through December. Let's just survive it. So it can be messy because it's busy. Sometimes Christmas is messy because of our mistakes, You know, some of us, we have walked through those seasons where uh, maybe you're not really looking forward to Christmas because you made some poor financial choices in the past and and you're still paying for last Christmas as you approach this Christmas. Maybe you're you're sorting out um, where the kids are going to be because of mistakes you made that, that led to the end of a relationship. And so you're just really confronted again with the, the results of your mistakes. Maybe for you, this is going to be a year where there's no celebration with extended family because you didn't just burn those bridges. You've blown them up, right? And, and whenever Christmas is messy because of our mistakes, it makes it difficult because then Christmas becomes a season that's filled with shame. It's filled with regret. It can be filled with, I mean, if we're really good at this, with a, a little bit of self-loathing as well, you know, and, and when it's our mistakes, it's just that much more painful. Sometimes it's messy because of the mistakes of others though, right? Sometimes it's, it's a, a, just a really poignant reminder that your spouse left you. And every Christmas, whether this is your first one or your 15th one, is a reminder of all that you've lost and where you used to be. Sometimes you're the one, your your parents were the ones who screwed up, and now you're the one dealing with the mess of bouncing back and forth and thinking, okay, how are we going to get the grandkids to grandmas and to grandpas and to the other side of the family and make everybody happy? And you're dealing with all this stress, and the whole time you're just thinking, "Why, why couldn't you have just stayed together? It would have made my life a whole lot easier. 
You know, sometimes you're the, the teenager who's bouncing back and forth between mom and dads on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and it's no fault of your own, but just those mistakes make Christmas a little messy at times. Sometimes it's, it's messy because life is just out of our control. It's not our fault. It's not someone else's fault. It's just life, right? You're dealing with the sickness. You're dealing with the diagnosis, with the disease, and, and you go into this season that's supposed to be full of joy and full of peace, and you are going through those chemo treatments. You're battling those diseases. You're confronted with with those circumstances, sometimes it's, it's painful just because you're, you're mourning the loss of a, a family member, or a close friend. Again, things totally out of our control that we're powerless to stop. And yet at Christmas, all of these things are highlighted. And I think one of the reasons they're highlighted is because over the next month, I mean, it's already started, honestly, but over the next month, we are going to be bombarded by these idealistic pictures and these kind of nostalgic feelings of what Christmas should be like, right? When was the last time you saw a Lexus Christmas commercial that pictured a widow crying by herself on the couch? Probably, probably not, right? It, it doesn't sell the car very well. And it's like, Merry Christmas, you're all alone, so you should buy a car. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't sell. You know, nobody, it's not the Toys R Us Christmas where mom and dad are screaming at each other while the kid plays with his toys in the corner. Like every, every version of Christmas that we're going to see, every version of, version of Christmas that's going to be told to us over the next month is going to be this beautifully perfect picture. And sometimes that idealism and that nostalgia highlights the mess of our own lives because we see that on TV or we see it in a movie or we read it in a story and instead of encouraging us that this is how life could be, it just reminds us that this is not how my life is. My life is messy. And we deal with that mess in all kinds of ways. You know, some people just, they adjust to it. I mean, think of, think of uh, like a, a hoarder right? If you, maybe you are one, I don't know. Uh, Maybe you know one, but if you've ever been in a house of someone who has some of those hoarding tendencies, what you know about them is they've adjusted to the mess, They're used to walking through the little path. They've just kind of accepted, hey, this is who I am. This is how my house is. This is how it's going to be. And some people do the same thing with the mess of their lives. They just accept this is who I am. You know, all my life has been this steady diet of dysfunction and drama, and so that's what I know. And, and the, the mess actually becomes like this weird form of comfort where whether it's the, the pain of abuse or just these cycles of dysfunction, it's really all you know, and you just adjust to it and accept that this is, this is what I deserve, this is what I get, this is how my life is always going to be. Other people try to, to hide the mess I mean, my, uh, so for Thanksgiving, my mom and, and siblings all came to visit. And I remember every time I see my mom, several stories from when I was growing up, most of them are fond memories, and a few of them, probably an equal number of them, ended with me getting a spanking. So uh, the one I was thinking of this week when she was here, because Angie had done such a good job getting our house all cleaned up. I mean, they could open every closet, every cranny. Everything was organized and in its place, which is not how I cleaned my room as a child. And I remember so many times my mom telling me, go clean your room. And I would say, okay, and I would go sit in my floor. And then she would come in later and she would tell me, clean your room or you're going to get a spanking. And I would say, okay, and I'd sit there a little bit longer. And then I would hear her walking down the hall and as quick as I could, I would grab everything 
and I would shove it in the closet and close the door and I was done. And I think that worked once, right? And then after that, I mean, you, parents, you know this, you have this child who then you go and you open it or you look under the bed and, and you have the talk, right? And how's the talk go? This is not clean, right? Piling stuff in your closet or under your bed is not the same as cleaning. Now, I always felt that my parents were just incredibly unrealistic, uh, in, until we had kids of our own. And then we find ourselves having the same conversations of that's not clean, right? Or maybe you have this friend or you are this person, you go over to their house. I've, like I've been to people's homes before and they look beautiful and immaculate until you accidentally open the wrong door. And then it's like, oh, that, so that's where everything goes. Apparently that's where the dog goes to the bathroom too. You know, just it's, it's that kind of awful experience. But some people have the, the same, take the same approach to the mess of their lives. They think, I'll just, I'll just hide it. Like financially, we're a, we're a disaster right now. But you know what? We can keep charging on the credit card and no one will ever know. Or our marriage is a wreck, but we can just keep taking pictures where we're smiling together and, and put this front on. Our kids are a disaster, but whenever anyone asks how they're doing, we're just going to say, they're great, we're so happy, it's just, life is wonderful, they're probably going to be president one day, you know, never knowing that you mean like president of a, a prison gang. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're good at hiding the mess. We're good at covering it up, but we all know from our own experience, it doesn't work. Like eventually the mess is going to move beyond our ability to hide it. Other people try to blame someone else for the mess, you know, and this one is sometimes legitimate. Like if you have toddlers right now, the mess in your house is entirely their fault, right? It's no one else. You can be the the best mom. You can be, you can be married to Mr. Clean and you yourself are the cleanest lady in the world. And if you have a two-year-old, your house is still going to be messy because that's what they do. Right, but but in the, the rest of life, it's still this temptation to blame other people. And, and we're really, if we're good at anything, we're good at blaming everyone else for our problems. Right? I mean, I mean you can, how many times have you heard, just jokingly, even the, the, the thanks Obama line, right? Like, that's, that's kind of a cultural phenomenon of this is what we do when something goes wrong. We just blame something else, but not just our president. We blame our parents. We blame our spouse. We blame our friends. We blame the economy. We blame our job. But most of the time, it really is our fault. You know, a lot of the times when we're looking for someone else to blame, we're like a guy who lives by himself and he's mad that there's hair in his drain all the time, right? Like, there's no one else to blame. That's you. No one else is showering in there. That's you. You've got to take care of that. And, and that's what we realize in our own lives, that, that you'll eventually reach a point where you've run out of people to blame and your life is still a mess. It's because the mess starts inside of you. We also face, I think, a, a constant temptation. We just get angry and bitter about the mess. Sometimes legitimately so. Somebody else did wrong us. Someone else did uh, commit the, the offense that caused us so much pain, that, that caused us so much turmoil. And that anger, though, the, the, the caution with there is sometimes that anger will lead us to bitterness. And we will no longer consider how we can move on from the mess. All we're, we're thinking about is they've got to pay for this. And that bitterness will poison our souls. You know, for other times, I think it's easy just to kind of, the mess just makes us depressed. 
You know, I, th- I think a lot of us can identify, even if you've never had like that diagnosis of depression, you can identify with moments and seasons in life where things were so sad. Like, I mean, it's that, it, you know that feeling when you wake up in the night and the first thing you notice is that pit in your stomach because of the thing that's bothering you? Like that deep-seated heartache that it's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep. It's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning. It's always in the back of your mind, and it just creates kind of this cloud over your life. And the, the sad part is that, that some will just settle in and just accept this is how life is always going to be. I'll never be happy again. I'll never escape from it, and so we'll just stay here. And then the, the last one, and I, I think a lot of us probably identify with this, it's not one we would think of, is that sometimes we just become determined, this will never happen again, right? You, maybe you go through a mess, maybe you grew up and your life was chaotic, and so as an adult, you've made all these choices to not be like your parents, or not be like the home you were raised in, or, or maybe you worked for somebody and it was just, uh, just a disaster, and so you've went out to a new company, or you've started your own, and you've determined, I will never allow that to happen again. And while a certain amount of that is good, I think we have to be cautious because if we, if we push that to its extreme, what it winds up being is we wind up creating a little world where we're God and we're in charge of everything. And if we know anything about ourselves at all, it's that we make terrible gods. And the more we try to control it, the messier it's going to get. Right? And sometimes God reminds us of this in just really small ways. So um, this morning, like I was, uh, I was driving in, and so most Sunday mornings I stop by Starbucks on my way into the church. Well, I, I knew this morning, like I'm driving myself, I've got these stupid crutches for another couple weeks, and so I, I, I was planning ahead. Like this could get messy, so I'm going to make a plan to make sure it's not messy. And so I, I got in our cabinet last night, and I got out the little stainless steel coffee mug with the lid on it, because that Starbucks cup, you can't count on it, and I can't walk in, the lid's going to, you know, something like that. So my computer bag had a little pocket on the side, and it fit like a backpack, and honestly, I was feeling pretty proud of myself. Like, I, I've got this. I'll order it. I'll pour it in in the parking lot. I'll get, I mean, I didn't even get it poured in the cup before it was already a disaster, like, it was on my shoe. It was in my car. I've got no napkins in my car. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. So I, I finally get it all in the car. I get out of the car, and I'm standing outside with the backpack on, the coffee cup in, and I realize my crutches are still inside. So I bend over to reach back, and it pours all down my back and up my side. And I'm just standing out here in the dark in the parking lot by myself at about 6.45, just thinking, I'm an idiot Like, what am I going to do, you know? So then later I'm FaceTiming Angie like, hey, will you go in my closet so I can see what shirt is actually ironed and maybe you can bring one into me. And, uh, you know, but, but so it's a small example, but I think we all have experienced this in a lot of ways that sometimes the harder we try not to let something happen, the worse it is when it actually does happen. And part of the reason is we make terrible gods. We can't see all these other contingencies. I thought I had done everything perfectly, and in reality, I had just set up the perfect storm for it to be worse than if I had just dropped it in the parking lot. Right? You see, all of our ways, no matter how we deal with a mess, whether we hide it, we embrace it, we get mad over it, we determine we're never going to do it again, all of these things, they're going to work for us up to a point. But eventually, with every coping mechanism that we put in place, eventually we're going to reach a point where it doesn't work anymore. And the reason we're going to hit that point is because the the bottom line, the bottom reason for all of our mess 
is sin. And you and I cannot solve our own sin problem. We can't remove it. We can't rem- I can't remove it from myself, and I sure can't remove it from anyone else. And as long as sin exists in our world, it's going to be messy. And as long as sin exists in my life, I'm going to be messy. And so at Advent, what we're remembering this year is not how Jesus comes just to make our lives a little less messy. Like he doesn't come just to clean it up a little bit, but he comes to solve our sin problem. He redeems the mess by dealing with its root cause. And he does that by entering into it. In Matthew chapter 1, we find the Christmas story is told by Matthew, and it's the story of the angel making the announcement to Mary that she's going to be pregnant, of conveying that same information to Joseph, and then of the birth of Jesus himself. And what I, I want us to understand over the next month is that this story is a messy story. Right? We've read it so often, I, I think we miss it at times, but Angie and I were reminded of just how messy this story is, um, I think probably what, two or three weeks ago. So we, uh, Corbin, my nine-year-old, we bought him a new Bible. And he'd been wanting, like, he was tired of the kid Bible. He wanted a, a real Bible, like a leather one without pictures. And so we went to Mardell. We bought him a, a, a new living translation because it's like a, a sixth grade reading level. So we thought this will be good. So the first night he has it, we're putting everybody to bed. And he says, Dad, can I read the Bible story from my Bible tonight? So I said, sure, that's fine. I mean, what father would not encourage his son to read the Bible, right? This is a, this is a good moment. Well, what I didn't take into account was one of the things that makes the New Living Translation so readable is it uses common language terms to describe things that maybe other versions kind of gloss over with some different language. So if you'll read this with me, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, this is from the New Living Translation. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There we go. Uh, Joseph to whom she was engaged and was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, Right? We read that story. You've read that. I mean, if you've grown up in church, even if you haven't, you've heard this story literally probably hundreds of times. I mean, I've talked about this story probably a hundred times over the last 15 years. And I never caught the messiness of it until my nine-year-old read it to me in this translation. And he's an inquisitive nine-year-old. And so we, we finish it, and he says, Dad, what's a virgin? 
Uh, Mom, how does the Holy Spirit conceive a baby? Dad, what are sexual relations? I mean, and you, like, you've been there with your kid, right? And it's like, you're in third grade, buddy. Don't worry about it at all for 10 years. And then we'll talk, right? Like, before you get married, you and I will have this. No, we didn't go that far. But it's just this kind of, and what it reminded me of this year is how easy it is for us to whitewash and sanitize this story. And if you read it in other translations, uh, sometimes the euphemisms that are used, they cause us to lose sight of the scandal of what's happening. What we're being told here is that God becomes man. And he doesn't come down as this big, powerful king, but he comes down as a helpless baby. He comes down without any of his power. He lays down all of his rights, all of his authority, and he enters in to the mess of our world. And what we're going to talk about over the course of the next month is is we'll consider the, the violence of the world Jesus was born into and the violent reaction to his birth. We'll consider the the vulnerable position that this whole story puts Mary in, right? This is, she reacts with joy, but it's a supernatural joy because her natural response would have been one of fear and, oh God, please don't do this to me, right? We we overlook, we just skim through that story and we, we quickly overlook the mess that is made of Joseph's life. He had everything planned. He was following all of the rules that had been laid out for him. And suddenly his world is turned upside down by this angel's announcement. See, we, we read through this story in a moment. And sometimes we read through it so quickly that we lose sight of exactly what is being said. What is being described in these few short verses is the culmination of God's movement in history from creation to that day. And his involvement in our life has always been his involvement in the middle of our mess. And as he's describing the arrival of Jesus, he describes how he answers the problem of our mess. First, we're reminded that that God sends Jesus to save us from the mess. He tells Joseph, you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Jesus comes, he enters into the mess of our world to save us from it. He confronts the, the full weight of our sin. And so what I want to be sure that we remember this Advent is that Christmas is not just about a sweet little baby who comes to coo and to be cuddled. But the road to the cross begins at the manger. That the, the arrival of Christ in our world is the arrival of God's answer to our sin problem. And it will ultimately lead Jesus to confront the full weight of our sin. When evil is unbridled, it's poured out on Jesus on the cross. And he bears that. He, he takes on all of that hate and demonstrates his power over that sin. Second thing we see in that story is that God sends Jesus to us so we will know that God is always with us in the mess. He says, she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this morning, what I I want to remind you of 
is that this statement that Jesus is Emmanuel, he is God with us, is not just something that was true then. It's not just something that's true like kind of in a, a corporate sense for all of us this morning. But I, I want you to hear it personally. He will be Emmanuel, which means God with you. He's with you in your mess. He's not scared of your busyness. He's not scared of your fears. He's not intimidated by your doubts or your depression. Your wounds or scars don't cause him to back away. But Advent reminds us that when God witnesses the destruction of sin in our world, when God witnesses the destruction of sin in my life, his response is to move towards me. He doesn't just stand on the outside like a cheerleader saying, hey, you can do it, you can do better, try this, try that. But his response is to come right down in the middle of the mess. To let every tear be his tear. To let every fear be met by his presence. I mean, think of it just looking at this this morning. How does this mess get cleaned up? Right? Not Matt. Like, I'm not going to come in here tomorrow and pray that it's clear. I could, but it's still going to be a mess. Right? We're not going to wait on the, the Christmas fairy to come do it. It's still going to be a mess. Like, the only way this gets cleaned up is by somebody getting up in here in the middle of it and cleaning it up and putting it back in order. And that's exactly what the arrival of Christ in our world does for us. He's no longer the God from afar calling us to live a certain way, but he's the God in the middle empowering us to live as he's taught us. Over the years, we have, because of our involvement with Royal Family Kids Camp and and so many people from our church involved in foster care and adoption, um, we've learned a lot about um, just kind of the, the way growing up in an abusive or kind of neglectful home affects the development of a child. And one of the things that that we've seen, both with Royal Family, through foster care, also through crisis pregnancy outreach, is that that sometimes when a child grows up in such a chaotic environment, they don't learn the natural life skills that that many of us were fortunate to learn in our house. They never had a mom telling them, clean your room and showing them this is what it looks like. You know, clean is not shove it in the closet. Clean is a place for everything and everything in its place. Right? And so when they, when they come into a home, what our, our foster parents have discovered is they can never stand outside the door and tell the kid, clean the game room. They have no frame of reference for what that means because they've never cleaned anything in their life because most of the time they've never really owned anything in their life. And so it's a completely foreign concept of how would I clean that? And I think it's a, a beautiful picture for us because what our, what our foster parents learn, what our, our mentors with crisis pregnancy outreach learn is that we can't just tell broken people what to do. We have to do it with them. Sometimes you have to hold their hand through the process. Sometimes you have to show the kid, you pick up that toy, I'll pick up this toy, and we will both walk it over. And that's what it looks like to clean up the mess. And this is how Jesus comes to deal with our mess. Not as a God who stands from afar, not even the God who stands at the door, but the God who comes and lives inside of you and walks with you in every moment of every day and says, this is how we navigate the mess. Because I am with you. 
and my salvation is strong enough and my presence is true enough to be with you in every single mess. And because of that, it means for you and for me, we don't have to be afraid of the mess anymore. Right? This Christmas, my encouragement to you is to remember that as followers of Jesus, he's not just our role model, but he's the one who remakes us in his image. And Jesus isn't scared of your mess. He comes down into it and he begins to save you from it and to redeem all of that. And so what it means for us is this Christmas, over the next month, I wanna encourage you, walk towards the mess in your life. Let Jesus confront it. Let him bring salvation to it. Let God's spirit bring an awareness to your heart that he sees the mess And instead of being repelled by it, he's drawn to you. He's not surprised by the disaster you've created. He's moved to compassion by it. And the Advent story reminds us there is no sin too strong. There's no pain too deep. There's no person too evil that Jesus doesn't come to us. And so this morning, let him begin to come and bring you hope and peace and joy and love in the mess. What this also means for us is that when we're saved from the mess of our world, we no longer fear the mess that sin creates in our world. Jesus doesn't save us to pull us out and set us in a fortress somewhere and say, okay, now you stay there and stay clean. But what's he tell us? Now go and be like me. Go and do what I did, not in your own power, but through my spirit living in you. And so the message of Advent is not just Jesus comes into the mess, but he now empowers us to go back into it as well. And it's not our job to clean it all up. It's not our job to fix it all. Our job is to walk back out into the middle of the mess and to bear witness to the salvation of Christ, to bear witness to the hope and the peace and the love and the joy that he brings. This is the privilege of the Christian, not to bear the weight of the world, but to shine the weight of God's glory in the middle of the mess as a beacon of hope and life saying, this is what God has done for me and I believe he can do the same for you. So let's go see. Let's surrender to him. We bow your heads with me. As the worship team comes, I want to I pray for you. If, if you just recognize that for whatever reason, your fault, someone else's fault, no one's fault at all, but, but you recognize you're in a messy spot in life. Will you raise your hand so I, I can just pray with you before we move on? Thank you. Thank you. God, you see us. You see the, just the mess that our sin or the sins of others have made in our lives. And Lord, I I pray this morning for those who are hurting because of the results of sin. For those who are hurting because of the actions of others. Lord, for, for whatever the reason we find ourselves in a mess, this morning we ask that we would see you in the middle of it. God, may your spirit come and drive out our fear. May your spirit come and drive out our doubts and our uncertainties. Lord, I I pray for hearts that are broken this morning, that you will bring healing and hope. God, I, I pray for bodies that are failing this morning, that you would bring encouragement 
and your power into their lives. Pray for those who are are suffering from the effects of grief or depression that your light would pierce through the darkness today. Jesus, whatever our mess may be, help us to see you right there in the middle of it and to surrender it to you. God, we need your help. We need your power. We need your presence. Come and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.